And now I want to invite you, please, to turn in the Bible, your Bible, to Ephesians chapter 1 in preparation for the message. Ephesians chapter 1. A man was told in counseling that he needed to start doing little things, start doing little things for his wife to improve his marriage. After following the advice of the counselor, he told the following true story. This is really what happened. He said, I usually leave the factory sweating and dirty, but I decided that if I really loved my wife, I would clean up before I see her again. How many of you men have been in that process? Anyway, that's what he said. I would clean up real good before I see her at home. So he said, I, I showered. I presume he showered at work. And he shaved. He said, uh, I, I put on clean clothes. On the way home, I stopped at a florist and bought her some flowers for her. Gabriel? There's an idea for you for the future with Renee. So on the way home, I stopped at a florist and bought some flowers for her. I usually go in the back door at our house and I get a drink out of the refrigerator, go into the rec room and watch TV until supper. But, but, he says, because I wanted to do what a lover would do, I went to the front door, I rang the doorbell, and I waited for my wife to answer. When she opened the door, I held out the flowers, and I said, for you, honey, for you, sweetheart, I love you, I love you, he said. She looked at the flowers, she looked at me, and then she burst into tears. Oh, she said, she said, I've had a terrible day. Billy, their son, Billy broke his leg and I had to take him to the hospital. I no sooner got home from the hospital than the phone rang. It was your mother. She's coming to visit for two weeks. <laughs> she said, I tried to do the laundry and the washing machine broke. There's water all over the floor. And now, and now, you come home drunk. <laughs> well, you can be thankful that hopefully someone hasn't misunderstood your your intentions that badly. Uh, has, has anyone ever misunderstood your intentions, by the way? Put your hand up. Any, anyone? Oh, wow. It's not just me, huh? Okay. So, what are you thankful for on this Thanksgiving weekend? The Bible verses that we are studying today speak of something you and I can and certainly should be thankful for. And so in Ephesians chapter 1, the first eight verses read as follows. Paul, 
an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through, through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and all understanding. Amen. Amen. My friends, the first thing we discover from our reading here that we ought to be thankful for is this. Number one, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being holy and blameless. Say it with me. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being holy and blameless. In this exciting Thanksgiving passage, Paul first expresses thanks for the privilege of being holy and blameless. Right there, right there in, in verse 4, in verse 4 he says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in his sight. Let's focus on this word. Let's focus on this word, holy. He says he chose us to be holy. The Greek word translated holy has a combination of beautiful meanings. To begin with, uh, for those who are taking notes, the first aspect of the meaning, if you want to put down A, is this. Holy means to be inwardly pure. Why don't you say it with me? Inwardly pure. This, this inward purity comes about as we allow the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of God to take the place of selfish and carnal evil desires. The inward purity is, is brought about by the presence and the purity of God's Spirit within us. Amen? And isn't it wonderful? Isn't it marvelous to know that you and I can invite the Holy Spirit of God to cleanse to purify our inward nature so that, so that we have the right motives, the right attitude, the right spirit, the right heart. Amen? Amen? And so the question is, have you and I, have we invited, have we asked the Lord to purify, to purify, to cleanse our hearts? King David prayed, Create in me a pure heart, O God. There's another component of what it means to be holy, and it is this. Point B, for those of you making notes. 
Holy means to be set apart for God's use and purposes. Holy means to be set apart for God's use and God's purposes. How about you? Are you set apart for God's use and God's purposes? Are your talents, skills, and time set apart for God's use and purposes? Is is at least some of your money set apart for the Lord's purposes? The Bible says that at least 10%, a tithe of our income, should be given for the Lord's purposes. And in this month of Thanksgiving, we have an additional uh, opportunity and privilege to give to world missions beyond our regular tithing. And as I speak these words, I want to express sincere thanksgiving to God for the many of you, the many of you who do set apart for God's use and purposes. You set apart your talents, your skills, your time, and your money. And I also thank the Lord for the fact that others of you, that others of you today will make the decision. Maybe you haven't done so in the past, but today you will make the decision to set apart your talents and skills and time and money for God's use and God's purposes. Amen? Amen? There is another aspect of the word holy that we should be aware of And it is this. It's point C for note takers. Holy also means to be different, to be different in our actions as a result of the inward purity and as a result of being set apart for God's use and God's purposes. And here's what I mean. A teacher who has been made holy by God's Spirit, a teacher who has been made holy by God's Spirit will be different. Yes, yes, that teacher, he or she, sees her job not not just as a way of making a living, but also as a way of seeing each child as precious Precious in God's sight, who needs to see Christ's love through the teacher. Amen? Amen? Or a Christian nurse. We've got some wonderful Christian nurses in the church here as well. A Christian nurse made holy will never regard a sick person just as a case, just as a a case that they have to tend to, but as a person who needs to sense God's ministering love through the nurse. Amen? Or a Christian, holy office or factory worker will not not be out to do as little as he or she can just so long as they get paid. You will have a different attitude. Your attitude will be one of, I am committing myself to this employer And I need to give my very best, whoever that employer is. Right? Right? 
our office administrator, Raven, will be going on maternity leave after Friday, October the 14th. And one of the things that I have appreciated about Raven is that she has been committed. She has been committed to Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. And she has done her best as an employee and also as a volunteer here in our church. Amen? Praise God. Yes. Olivia Williams will be taking over from Raven as our office administrator. And already during the few weeks of training, I have seen Olivia's commitment and desire to do her best for the Lord and for our congregation as a whole. And so we thank God for Olivia as she takes over for Raven. I want to also add this. A Christian employer or manager will not just be concerned about paying minimum wages or providing minimum working conditions. The employer or manager needs to be concerned, needs to be concerned obviously about profits, but he or she will also be very much concerned for each employee. The holy person is often different. That's what holy means, different. Instead of frequently saying, what can I get out of this situation? The question is often a different one. And the question is, what can I do to help? What can I do to serve? Amen? And so, my friends, holy, holy means to be inwardly pure. It means to be set apart for God's use and purposes and to be different, to be different from the inside out. Back in January of this year, leading up, leading up to uh, Pentecost and leading up to April, Reverend Dr. Stan Reeder, who is the Regional Director for Canada and the United States, led us in what was called, what was called half a million people prayer mobilization. Towards the end of the several months of prayer, he asked us to respond to the question, what, what is the Holy Spirit saying to the church? What is the Holy Spirit saying to the church at this point in time? And Dr. Reeder asked people to send in their responses from all over Canada and the United States and the Church of the Nazarene. And just this week, I, I discovered the results of the responses from Christians across Nazarene churches. And one of the main responses was this. One of the main responses of Christians was, they said, we said, the world needs us to live holy lives and to proclaim holiness. That was the response of many, many people who wrote back to Dr. Reader. By the way, to the question, when did holiness become a, a frequently preached subject matter? The answer is holiness is the foundation of the Christian church. Say it with me. Holiness is the foundation of the Christian church. 
Amen? Amen. Let's look further at verse 4. All right? Let's just uh, re-examine verse 4 again. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless and blameless in his sight. Now that's the New International Version translation from the Greek. Uh, the New Living Translation says, without fault, instead of using the word blameless, <clears throat> the New Living Translation says, without fault in God's eyes. But by the way, you know, I, I, I wore my beautiful orange tie for you today. I don't know if any of you noticed, all right, but... <clears throat> But I, I should have glued it, glued it to the middle of my shirt because it just seems to like to go to one side here. Anybody have any glue on you? I can glue it. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> anyway, so think about blameless with me. In some ways, th this word blameless is, is similar in meaning to the word holy. In some ways, it's similar. In other ways... It has a slightly different meaning. Stick with me. It's beautiful. Dr. Willard Taylor, in his commentary on Ephesians, says this. He says, Holy refers to the inner spiritual quality, whereas blameless refers to the outer conduct of a person's life. Isn't that good? Uh, by the way, you know, I kept thinking when I read this, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, blameless in, in God's sight. It's probably a good thing that it says blameless in God's sight because a lot of times it's harder to be blameless in other people's sight than in God's sight. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, all right, all right. Now, another, another very important meaning of the word blameless is giving to God your very best, okay? Giving to God your very best. The Greek word that is translated blameless is the word amomos, amomos, which was used by the Jews when they offered a blameless or spotless animal as a sacrifice to the Lord. If there was any blemish on the animal, they, consider it, they considered it unfit as an offering. Only the best, only the best animal was fit to offer to God. And, and so... For us to be blameless, it means offering to the Lord our very best in every area of our lives. It means things like this. It means if you are a Sunday school teacher or a small group leader or a children's caravan uh, leader, you don't do a half-hearted job. You, you work hard at your lessons and preparation. You, you pray for your students. You, you phone them up if they are away 
from your class. You just show your love and concern for them. Any, amen? If, you, if you're an usher, for example, if you're an usher in this church or any church, if you're an usher, you take the responsibility seriously. You are on time and at your post each week. If you're a greeter, you do your best to, to welcome each person as if you are welcoming Jesus. If you're a singer, you pray and you practice before you sing in church. If you're in the choir, and some of you are going to be in the choir starting very shortly, you, you are there for practices. If you're on the church board or on the Nazarene Discipleship International Board, you're at the meetings to make your wonderful contribution and to report and know what's going on. And when you're, when you're giving an offering or pledging to the sponsorship fund for our refugees, or you're giving to world missions, we, you know, we, we don't give. We don't give grudgingly. We give what? We give our very best. We give our best. So these are some of the areas that come into the picture under the word blameless. Does that make sense? All right, all right. Notice in verses 3 and 4 that the Apostle Paul is actually praising the Lord for calling us, he's praising the Lord for calling us to be holy and blameless. Now think about this for a little bit with me. Normally, it is probable that if you and I are, are, are living holy and blameless lives, we are inclined to think that God is privileged to have us live holy and godly, and, and godly uh, or blameless lives, right? That is, that is we, 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 we tend to think that we're doing God a big favor and that if anyone should be thankful, God should be. <laughs> right? Now think, think this further. It would be easy, for instance, it would be easy for me to think, Lord, aren't you, aren't you fortunate to have me as one of your servants, as one of your pastors? After all, dear God, I work very hard. I give my very best to this church and to the community, to these people. It's easy for me to say, Lord, I give my very best in terms of tithes and offerings. Lord, aren't, aren't you fortunate to have Nick Stavropoulos on your side? <laughs> you know? And others of you, okay, others of you could just as easily be inclined to say, to say, Lord, aren't you privileged to have me teach this class? Or, Lord, aren't you fortunate to have me pledge to the sponsorship fund or give to world missions? Now, the Apostle Paul, by the way, could also have very easily had a similar inclination. Paul could have said, Lord, aren't you privileged to have me as a Christian? After all, I'm so dedicated to you. I've been bruised and beaten and thrown into jail. Man, what more, what more can a guy go through? What more could I go through, dear God? But, 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 that's not, that's not what Paul says. Instead, Paul says, praise be, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And he goes on. He goes on to praise him for choosing us. He praises the Lord. He thanks God for choosing us to be holy and blameless. Why? Why praise God for holiness and blamelessness? Why praise God for that? Here's why. Because a holy and blameless life is a fulfilled life. Did you get that? A holy and blameless life is the best way to live. Amen? That kind of a person has greater fulfillment, purpose, and joy in life. And that's why Paul is praising the Lord. So that there isn't misunderstanding. I need to comment on the words, on the words, he chose us in verse 4, and he predestined us in verse 5, in the New International Version of our Bible. All right? It says, he chose us, he predestined us. That, that doesn't mean God arbitrarily, that God arbitrarily chose some people to be saved and to go to heaven and others to go to hell. It's not what it means. Other places in the Bible make it very clear that everyone, everyone has the opportunity to give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ and so to inherit eternal life in heaven. Verses like John 3.16 say, For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should or shall not perish, but have eternal life. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 declares, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Amen. And Romans 10 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not certain people, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When Paul says he chose us, he predestined us, it means that before the foundations of this world were even laid, God had determined, he had predestined, he had made the decision that if you choose to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, God would choose to make you his son or daughter and give you a place in heaven, eternal life. John McKay, in his commentary, is so beautifully correct when he says this. He says, to be chosen in Christ means, therefore, to be chosen to be saved by one who excludes no one who comes to him. None are cut off from God's election in Christ, but or except 
those who deliberately cut themselves off. And so, my friends, Paul praises the Lord for giving him the privilege of being holy and blameless. I don't know if you've realized that before, but that's something that you and I can be thankful for today. Have you ever thought about this truth, that you and I can and should praise the Lord for the privilege that is ours of being holy and blameless in his sight. In closing, I invite you to bow your head with me and pray. If this prayer expresses the desire of your heart, would you pray it right where you are? Would you pray after me? Dear Lord, I want to invite you today to make me holy and blameless. Holy and blameless from the inside out. Lord, you have called us. You have called us to holiness. And elsewhere in your Bible, you have said, without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. Lord, make me and mold me from within my heart, from within my nature. Cleanse and purify my heart. As David said, cleanse and purify me, Lord, so that I can truly offer thanksgiving and praise as Paul the Apostle did for the holiness, the blamelessness that you are able to bring about in my own life. Oh yes, Lord, I know that, I know that I've got a lot of spiritual growing to do, but I am thankful that I can come before you and cry out and say, yes, Lord, make me holy. And Lord, to begin with, to begin with, if I haven't already done so, I ask you to forgive me of my sins as I begin to trust in Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And you have said that when we repent of our sins, you begin, you begin to transform us. You begin your work of holiness inside of us. And so, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my life. And I thank you. I thank you for your love. How deep is your love? 
How great is your love that you accept all of us, all of us into your family, not because we've earned enough brownie points, but because of your love, you begin the work of holiness inside of us, making us and molding us after your will. We say thank you, Lord, for the work of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.